Hey, everybody, it's Lee. I know we're heading into the offseason, so we wanted to give a shout-out to our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, one more time. And again, we have a coupon for $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at hockey.sensearena.com. I always like to remind everybody, I've been using this thing for six months, and I'm just blown away, not just from the VR aspect of it and the virtual reality side of things, but the ability to give different perspectives of the game, whether I'm playing as a goaltender, and I got to admit, it is really hard, but it has really given me a perspective from that point of hockey, which has made me a better coach and a better ice hockey player, or the skater modes, which help you work on cognitive skills and other things like heads-up play that you don't normally get to work on in a practice or a game. So I implore you to check it out. It helps us out. It helps them out. Support our title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena. Get $50 off an annual subscription when you use Hockey Never Stops at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Again, that's Hockey Never Stops. That's the code at Hockey.SenseArena.com. Check it out. And without further ado, enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, powered by NHL Sense Arena. I'm Lee Elias with Mike Benelli and Christy Cassiano-Burns, and we are privileged to welcome with us today the Director of Youth Hockey Development with the Washington Capitals, a team some of you may have heard from, Peter Robinson. <laughs> with the Capitals, Peter's role is to grow the game of hockey by providing access to the sport throughout the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. We will refer to that as the DMV for those of you outside the East Coast today through on- and off-ice programming for all skill levels. And Pete is no stranger to the Capitals. Prior to his role with youth hockey development, he oversaw community relations for the Capitals and is currently in, get this, his 17th season with the organization. That's like a full pro career. we got lots to talk about today. Peter, welcome to Our Kids Play Hockey. Thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to be here. Hey, we're excited to have you. You, you know, Pete, I got to start with this. 17 years with an NHL club is is no joke. Uh, tell us about how you initially got involved with the Caps and why you've made this a continued commitment. Um, yeah, you're I mean, it's uh, 17 years is, is kind of um, amazing that it's gone by that quick. It is uh, a dream. Um, I, I grew up in Maryland. Um, I was a Capitals fan. I played uh, youth hockey growing up. Uh, for uh, Montgomery Youth Hockey Association and, and Chevy Chase, and then played for my high school, Sherwood High School. So I played all the way up until high school competitive hockey. Um, and it's just always been a part of my life. My dad is from Windsor, Ontario. So it's just, you know, part of the part of the tradition. As soon as you turn two years old and you can start walking, the skates are on and, and you're right. at the rink. So um, it was uh, it's always been a part of my life. It's brought me so many different places and 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 so many opportunities. So um, my uh, my degree was in um, psychology, marketing, and then my master's was in sports marketing. So my ultimate goal was always to work in professional sports um, with the, that dream being working for the Washington Capitals one day, which wow. uh, I was lucky enough to uh, accomplish in 2007. I started as a coordinator of amateur hockey and fan development, did that for seven years, and then moved in the community relations role that you mentioned earlier. Uh, so that in that role, I oversaw like our player appearances, our signing sessions, hospital visits, granting wishes, you know, engaging with the community, um, Hockey Fights Cancer, some of those league platforms. Um, but I always continued uh, engaging and growing the off-ice form of the game. Right. And then in 2019, the Washington Capitals, uh, as an organization, decided to invest in youth hockey and the development of the sport. And we created the Youth Hockey Development Department. So it's myself. Uh, Jesse Thompson is our senior manager of youth hockey development. She oversees everything on ice. And then Andrew Nash is our manager of youth hockey development. He oversees everything off ice. So there's three of us in the department now. 
Obviously, it came about because you saw a need. What did you see and why did you decide this is something that we got to start pushing? Yeah, it's um, it, it's it. interesting. When I started in 07, you're, you're looking at the early part of Alex Oveskin's career yeah, and a lot of interest, yeah. right? A lot of interest in, um, in, in the sport itself. When I was growing up, like at my school, for example, I was one of three or four kids that played hockey. And when you told somebody you played hockey instantly, you'd be like, what are you like Canadian or something? Like, why don't you play? <laughs> yes we get that all the time here too (laughs) and and so it was it was always this more of a a niche sport it it wasn't very um one of the mainstream sports and that started to change with Alex coming in and the popularity you saw that just if you look at the graph you saw that giant leap in in registrations and participation in terms of the sport of hockey so um we, we saw a little bit of that in this market in 98 when the caps uh went to the finals but really when alex came on it, it really started to grow and we started to do stuff in the community and oftentimes it was does anybody know the capitals a few kids would raise their hands or are you aware of who alex ovechkin is a few kids would raise their hands but the football team they always knew the backup quarterback was started they knew all the players on the football team the basketball yeah. team, other sports the baseball team so it was really um trying to take advantage of the excitement around Alex and the um the turnaround of the franchise and really paying attention to trying to create fans and grow just the awareness of the brand that's kind of what the original focus of of you know what's funny is that so I I used to send my summers in Silver Spring Maryland believe it or not uh Pete my my grandmother lived there and it was funny because once you kind of pass through Delaware at that time in the 90s now I was a hockey guy. I I, I got to shout some names out here, but like yeah, I remember Peter Bondra, Joey Juno, Adam Oates, uh, obviously Dale Hunter, and but you're right. It, you know I remember thinking those are huge names, and then Ovechkin showed up. <laughs> it was like another stratosphere of player, um, and Alex Ovechkin, who who I'm already saying is the greatest goal scorer of all time, even though the, you know he, he's still right below the record. Um, it's it's actually interesting to hear you talk about his effect on the game and and the reverberations of what a player like that can do to change it. Because again, there was no denying him when he came in the league. Um, I'm going to ask you in a minute, because I know you guys have just surpassed 1 million students in your hockey school program. But since we're talking about Ovechkin, um, I I think there's a lot about Alex that a lot of people don't know. I was researching. I saw that he's funding something called the Alex Ovechkin legacy ball hockey rink in the region to kind of help the grow, grow the game. Um, and like you just said it, you started right after his arrival. He, he was drafted, I believe, in 04, but he couldn't play till uh, 06, 07-ish because of the lockout. 05, 06, yeah. Yeah, right. I'm, I apologize. You're right. 05, 06 was his first season. Um, ironically enough, the Carolina Hurricanes ended up winning the cup that year, so that's even more for the for the kind of Southern effect, right? But you, you witnessed firsthand that Ovechkin effect. And uh, your team before the episode actually provided us some great stats that, to your point, the area has seen – Overall participation grows 70% since the 05-06 season. And then this is a cool one. Girls' participation has grown 140% in that time frame. Um, You know, outside the DMV, we see him as this mega superstar that he is. But tell us about him locally, right? Because, again, in our our respective NHL cities, we kind of know our athletes, right? Tell me about the Ovechkin locally that maybe we don't see nationally. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's really interesting to see to see him in his own community. I think the easiest way um, and, and most fun way to describe Alex is he is just one giant kid. He absolutely, <laughs> he absolutely loves 
the sport of hockey. He loves to he's play. He's a tough kid, though. <laughs> yeah, he's a big, big tough kid. kid right? and so he, he loves to play it. He loves to be around it. He loves to talk uh, about it. He he loves being on the ice or, or in a gym with kids playing the sport. He just enjoys the game of hockey. And that that excitement is infectious. And I think what you see on the ice and, and how excited he is when he scores a goal and how much fun he is having just being um, uh, in the game he's like that off the ice as well. He's just has this infectious energy and he's always, um, you know, really trying to to grow the game and make sure that he can share it with everybody. And so that they can um, experience it the way that he has, because he just, he, it's brought him so much and he, he enjoys the game so much. So, you know, those stats that you, that you mentioned are, are massive, you know, at what we call the, the Ovi effect and, and it has been pretty impactful and, and it's not just, Ovi playing well and getting all these eyeballs on him. It's also a combination of Ovi being a mega superstar and then the organi- organization itself investing, absolutely in taking advantage of that that stardom to really um, provide opportunities for kids to watch the game, play the game, engage with the sport, learn about it. And that's kind of where we, um, you know, where we we roll into that uh, hockey school program that you mentioned. Yeah, Pete, you know, I, I work a lot with the, uh, you know, a lot of the programs up here with the Rangers and the Devils and the Islanders and a little bit of Pittsburgh and all these IGF funded NHL, you know, grant programs. But, I, you know, you see what you've done and the success you've had because of guys like Alex Ovechkin. Like I see him all over Asha's site, you know, doing all kinds of work with Jen and doing and we've had Jen on the show, actually. And she talks about the Washington Capitals and Alex Ovechkin. But can you just tell us a little bit about your players and how they've embraced this opportunity to work with you. Cause it's not always easy, right? These are mega superstars. Um, but we see it from the hockey side and I see it already, you know, with all the guys I work with, like how willing they are and how they bring great energy. Like it, it you, you would never know, um, you know, they're being, you know, they're, it's almost like they're, they're completely volunteering to be there and give their time. And they're probably some of the busiest people in professional sports, but can you just talk a little bit about the player and not just Alex Ovechkin, but, you know, I'm sure you have, you know, a lot of your different players help you um, in, in doing these outreach programs. So just talk about, you know, kind of the difference between you seeing like these hockey guys, like what they really do and what kind of energy they bring uh, to these. Yeah, no, it, it, Mike, it's a really good point. Uh, the, you know, the, the hockey players in general in the NHL are, are kind of known to be these community focused um, guys and, and our players are, are no different. Um, they have um, always been willing to help out and do appearances for us uh, when it comes to the youth hockey side of things and helping grow the game. And of course, that's how they, you know, they learned that's how they got ex- exposed to it as well. So there's so many players um, even going all the way back to when, Guys like uh, Jay Beagle and Carl Alsner were getting called up from Hershey or Matthew Perot. They were getting called up from Hershey and they were even only in, in in town for a couple of weeks playing in a few games and then they get sent back down. They would immediately, what do we got? Where are we going? Who are we playing hockey with today? Like they were always looking for those opportunities to go engage with the community while they were here. And then when they became full time rostered players, that continued there they were always looking for opportunities to be able to grow, uh, to grow the sport. So they loved going to the school uh, appearances, for example, because like PE was my favorite, you know, subject. I loved playing street hockey in PE and now I get to come here and just have 300 screaming kids in the gym going nuts for me to be here. And I get to play street hockey and teach a kid how to hold a stick and like pass and shoot. They, they absolutely love it. And, And our players have been phenomenal. And I think it really is from the top down. 
that's always been from our management on the hockey upside and our coaching staff that we've had through the years have always been um, really supportive of our community efforts. So the the players themselves do that as well. And um, you mentioned uh, American Special Hockey Association, for example, that's a partnership that Alex has had since 2014 and, you know, just celebrated 10 years and involved with, with that organization and the impact that he has made. It's not just about the funds maybe that he's raised or the funds that he's donated. It's the awareness, right? So many more people in this country are aware of special hockey and that it is mm-hmm. an option for kids to play uh, because of Alex and the eyeballs that he brings. So they, uh, they realize that the impact that they can make is also on the, the awareness and the attention outside of them just interacting with the kids that they they might yeah, see it. because it's easy it's easy for those guys to give a check but it's That's really right. hard to show up like it's just you know and, and i and i i fear and i always want to get this on the record because this will be a, a good evergreen episode but my fear is when i watch hockey now and i watch these academies sprout up and i watch these single focused individualized in, you know sport instruction and the earliest specialization of kids my fear is that we will lose that community piece will lose that that piece that a player knows they got to give back because of like they just saw volunteer coaches, mom and dad, you know, struggling to get them to the rink, you know, teammates that came from every socioeconomic background there is. And that and, and we see it every day in this podcast, talking to different people, you know, that's it's shrinking like all all. And so your programs like yours, you know, kind of burst that bubble a little bit like they they just they they get in there and they say the hell with all you you know specialized kids we're gonna go out for hundreds and hundreds of um, millions of kids and give an opportunity um i was just in a in a in a rink in the bronx with brian mullen and you know he grew up in new york city and for a guy like that he were literally on the rink and and, and lee mentioned like the ball hockey event or uh you know a rink that alex is building like this guy's standing in a rink and he's pointing up to all the co-op buildings He's like, this kid live here. This kid lived there. That kid lived there. And he goes, all these guys, like we we laugh and and, and you know everybody talks about you know Minnesota hockey and the and the great you know opportunities these kids get because they're on the ice all the time. Programs like what you're doing, I mean, I look at like the programs in New York. I mean, there's more kids probably on that you know in the Bronx than the whole state of Minnesota. So when I when I see the impact that programs like yours bring to just light the lamp of just you know, just these small, tiny percentages of kids, not that they're going to be NHL hockey players, but that they're going to be active, participating, and back to those roots of being in a team, just like you said, having fun, laughing, and loving the opportunity to, um, you know, play a sport they normally would never get to play uh, if, in fact, this, this uh, you know, this outreach didn't exist. Yeah, I mean, that you make a really good point uh, in terms of like the concentration of kids in the Bronx, right? We've we you look at um, you know, Lee, you mentioned our stats. We've we've increased our then those numbers that you mentioned, 70% growth and then 140% growth for the girls. Those are USA hockey registration numbers specifically. So those right. are just we're talking about just ice hockey. Yeah, that's crazy. And yeah. so that's I think the biggest uh mission that we have as a as a department and as an organization is that there are multiple forms of the game and it's really trying to educate people that it's not just ice hockey. That is the option. And like, Mike, you said, uh, waking up super early or trying to find ice or mom and dad are working jobs so you can afford uh, the game. Those are all real things that apply to the sport of ice hockey. 
ice hockey is very expensive and ice hockey can be uh, very restrictive. There's a lot of uh, hurdles um, to you have to you know overcome in order to maybe be able to access that sport. But street hockey and inline hockey are not so much. Um, they are way more accessible and and way uh, less expensive than and than ice hockey itself. So it's really also educating that there's three or four different forms of the game. I mean, if you count esports as well, we right. consider a kid that plays esports right. a hockey player. And realistically, there's some kids that play, you know, NHL on PlayStation, for example, that maybe have never played hockey in in real life, but probably know more about the game than yeah. kids play hockey That's every true. day because they're changing lines, they're changing, you know, power play setups, they're doing the coaching there. So they know how to follow the game. They can be fans. And so it's really about access in those different forms. Right. Okay. And I guess let's go a little farther into that for people who are listening, organizations are listening, they don't have the OV factor. Um, maybe not a lot of money behind them. What advice would you give to help grow the game? And as Mike said, a lot of these programs are contracting they're shrinking they're disappearing so how do we put the juice back into it yeah that, that's a really good question i i do believe that it is different forms of the game i really do believe that um like you talked about uh we talked about those usa hockey stats a minute ago that's about twelve and a half thousand youth that are playing currently in the dmv um if you count all of maryland dc and virginia you have around twenty two thousand total USA hockey registrations and we're at capacity. We have around 40 facilities, around 50 sheets of ice in our market. And if we go into a school, for example, and we have 300 kids in a gym and we put on a presentation about hockey and we magically convince all 300 that they want to play hockey, we probably <laughs> don't have room for them on the ice. There's just not enough, um, not enough ice for them to be able to join a team and participate. So really the ultimate growth of that, of the sport. And as you want to make it bigger and also diversify it, it, it really has to be off ice. There has to be other forms of the game and you can try and create a pathway to participation on ice. If that's our ultimate goal to grow ice hockey, but we are okay if they just stop at street hockey or inline hockey and they never move on to play that ice hockey because they're still involved in the game. They're still engaging with our brand and the sport and they are able to watch it and follow along a little bit better. I don't yeah, want to I gloss mean, I, over what he just uh, said. You said there's 50 rinks in Maryland, Washington, and Virginia. Yeah, there's yeah, about, I, about 50 sheets of ice. And, and I, that's yeah, I, I, I just want to... Yeah, I want to stress quickly to everybody listening. I want you to just think about Maryland and Virginia. Now, obviously, D.C. is in there. Like, that's a lot of land, and that's not a lot of rinks, especially when you look at, like, I'm in Philadelphia, where Pennsylvania has a tremendous amount of rinks. Um, I know that in the inner city of New York, this is also an issue, but the New York area, has, yeah. or if you're in New England, you have 50 rinks within an hour drive, right? So, so I just want people that understand that Mike go go ahead I just I, I wanted to give some perspective on that yeah. because when you said well that, no like, but you're oh. exactly but you're exactly yeah. right so I think I think you know and 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 we're not asking Peter to solve the 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 problems of the world here but I think I think the I think the the, the biggest issue right is that these these programs are so successful right. that the higher groups like the travel level and the traditional hockey market the we'll call it squirt for Lee's sake but 10u 12u you know 15 <laughs> you know when that that market hasn't caught up to the success of the learn to play and rookie league market. So we're seeing this 
like just like Peter said, like, yeah, we could <laughs> we could have a hundred percent success rate, but even a twenty percent success rate, there isn't anywhere for the kids to go on the ice right. because it just because we're still stuck in the model of well, a ten u team has to have thirteen kids on it and a goalie, and they play full ice. So all of a sudden now that eliminates like for like Peter's group, like his learn like like Peter, like a typical learn to play has like sixty seventy kids on the ice. And yeah, our, yeah. our so for example, our learn to play uh, has been going on in our market since 2016, and that's one that Jesse Thompson oversees, and she's done an amazing job partnering with all of our local rinks to and implement that program. It's this season; it'll be in over 21 rinks wow. throughout our market. That's fantastic! Congratulations on that. That's Thank huge. you. I, I appreciate yeah. that. It's it's been it's been a great program for the NHL in general. But in since 2016, we've had 8,500 kids go through uh, yeah. that program, which is an increase in participation for sure. Uh, our all caps, all her platform that is just focused on getting girls and, and women and females involved in the sport. The programs that we have run over the last two years, if you look at the registration numbers, those programs alone account for 13% of the new female USA hockey registrations in our market. That's awesome. So, so those programs have an impact and they do grow, but you also have to have the facilities to grow with them. And that's why, Mike, you, you mentioned the industry growth fund. That's why when we initially had the opportunity to apply for grants going back to the 2013-2014 season, we wanted to focus all of our efforts on off-ice programming. And so we started to invest in refurbishing and uh, current and existing ball and inline rinks in our market and building new ones. And then uh, growing and expanding our hockey school program. And since then, we have... Uh, invested over $3.5 million in the off-ice game. We currently have 14 outdoor street hockey ranks that the Capitals wow. have. Built. How much money was that? Uh, it was about $3.5 so far. Between wow. yeah. the NHL, NHLPA, <laughs> right. Washington. So combined, that's where all that money is coming from. You know, Pete, I want to dive into this. <clears throat> I, I have a lot of stuff here. I actually want to talk about your direct work, but but this is a broader <laughs> thing that I want to actually talk about. Because when when I was working with the league and working with some of the member clubs, one of the stats you hear a lot about is lifetime value of a fan. Okay. Yep. And it's, it's a very misunderstood stat because if, if you're just looking at that, you go, all the, all the clubs just care about money. And, they, and it's like, you realize really quickly the investment that clubs, the league, the PA make into cultivating a fan and their love for the game is so much deeper than just the dollar amount. And and you said it in your work directly, like, you know, for Washington, you're the guy I, I said that you you said earlier about Ovechkin and his love for the game, and and I see that across the board with high level players. The the love is an obsession; they love it. It's a passion. You can't create that for someone, but you can cultivate it, right? That's right. And it's to me the lifetime value of a fan starts with your programs, because it's all about making the kids love and fall in love with the game. And then and this is the other side of that stat. The whole hockey world works together to create new hockey fans, however they do it. You just mentioned before so many different ways kids can be involved with the game. You mentioned video games. Look, you want me to be perfectly honest? You want to learn a new sport really quick? Have your kid play that sport on, on Xbox or PlayStation. They'll learn the rules in two days, right? You having a problem with offsides? Have them play NHL, have them play NHL, whatever, right? You're going to learn the rules really quick. That's how I learned several sports, right? Just, just by growing up by that. But it takes a really special person and a really special team to understand how to cultivate that love for the game. And you guys do that. 
right? So, so again, before I dive in any more stats, and, and again, I, I really want to talk about this, this million kids in the program, because that's a huge accomplishment we want to commend you for. But can you talk about when you go to any event, how in your mind, it's like, I, I, I have to help these kids understand and love this game because there's a higher calling here, right? Hockey is not the most popular sport in the world. Like, you know, when you're in the game, you think it's the world, but it's so small, <laughs> you know, like when you think about it. So can you just talk about like the responsibility of that? That's kind of where I'm going of, of, yeah. of the game. Yeah. No. No, no, I, I see where I see where you're going with it. I, I think it's uh it's really important um you know to to go back to what you said in terms of the value of that fan, right? I believe it's the Deloitte research that the NHL will, will quote oftentimes, which is a new hockey player equates to 2.5 new hockey fans, right? right? Which I believe is uh two parents and a potential sibling, right? Uh, for That's that point five, player. by the way, for the yeah, <laughs> right. So, so my dog, my dog wears a, a jersey every now and then. So, but, yeah, you know, there you so. Go. That's a canine <laughs> fan for life. Go, go ahead. <laughs> so it's um, you know, so it, there is a value there, and it is uh, oftentimes overlooked that there's a lot of what uh, the organizations are doing when it comes to the youth sports perspective, and that can be across any sport: the NFL, the NBA, the MLB, and the NHL, even in the MLS. It is a long-term investment. The ROI on what we are doing is realistically 10 to 15 years from now. Right. And you had mentioned earlier when, when we started that I had been here for 17 seasons. I'm fortunate enough to have been here long enough where kids that did mites on ice my first or second season yeah. here yeah. are now graduated yeah. college and they are season ticket holders at the Capitals. And I run into them at the games and they That's come up amazing. and they say hi to me. And that's so amazing. That, that's the long-term payoff there right and there there is a a short-term roi in terms of uh maybe revenue from registration fees which really don't bring in usually the registration fees pay for the program itself and that that's the ultimate goal right. but you can create revenue through sponsorship you can create revenue through um media value and promotion of those programs so there there is an opportunity for immediate roi but realistically we're looking at the 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 success in the future of this organization right. And we're looking 10 to 15 years from now. So a kid that's eight years old getting involved in the game in 10 years, they'll be 18 and maybe be able to make their own financial decisions in 15 years. They're in their early twenties. They're graduating college. They're going to get a job. They're going to have their own disposable income. How are they going to spend it? Where are they going to be spending their time on the screen? Are those eyeballs going to be paying attention to hockey or are they going to be paying attention to something else? And I think that's a big, a big focus of ours is that the, we have to remember that this is a bigger picture and it's more than, than it's, it, it's not just about us and what we're trying to accomplish here and, and get accolades and win awards or get kudos for the programs that we run. It really is about the future of the sport and the future of um, the team itself. And all three of us that are in the youth hockey development department are from this area. This is my community. This is where I grew up. My son Great is seven point. years old. He's going to play hockey. Uh, Jesse played high school hockey in this area. Andrew Nash played uh, college hockey at George Mason. So collectively, the three of us have been with the Washington Capitals for over 30 years. And so we we really do care about the community and the brand itself and, and right. the success of the organization. So <clears throat> try and think about what is the immediate impact a program could have but what is the long-term impact that that program can have on the community and the access to the sport? And that's really the ultimate focus when we're building something. Yeah. It, what I love too, is the byproduct of the learn to play platform across the NHL. And you talk about these million kids and thousands of new faces in the sport. One of the byproducts is these people go back out to their community and make hockey sound pretty sane. 
Like, yeah. you know, they, they go back out and say, oh, no, no, we practice at 9 a.m. And I don't know, we got all these uniforms and the kids are on teams and I didn't have to go. You know, we have a saying up here, no bridges, no tunnels, no tolls. And, you know, and, and it just you're in a rink and you feel like you're on a team and they leave because they're they feel it's normalized like it almost because because you talk about the ball hockey initiatives and putting all those millions of dollars into refurbishing outdoor space and rinks. If, if we did that with every community, like every community I'm in every, anywhere has a basketball net. everyone, everyone and everyone has a soccer field. Yeah. And if everyone had a hockey rink. And it doesn't need to be an ice hockey rink, but if everybody had a surface that you would see kids with sticks and balls and roller blades and, and uh, you know, you know, obviously protected with their hockey wraparounds that, that they would be in a situation <laughs> where, um, you know, they're, they're, they're playing hockey. And like you said, we said all the time, like hockey is hockey. I love, you know, a, you know, that, that whole, that whole, you know, marketing piece is just true. Like when I leave an event, like downtown Yonkers or, you know, inner city programming, those kids leave with saying, Hey mom, I just played hockey today. They didn't, they didn't have to mention ice and, and, and you know, mom's yeah. like, you don't play hockey. You're not allowed to play hockey. That's crazy. <laughs> but, but then they see, and then they see and go, well, I can play hockey in this, in this market for basically under $300. And I get all my equipment for free. And and you look, and you so when you talk to hockey people and Pete, you're saying this too. Like when you see these people go through the system, and now you have you know a, adults that you're interacting with, and like my skates cost three hundred and fifty dollars, and that was ten years ago. You know that doesn't exist. Yeah, I was like, anymore. Mike, they don't cost that much now. No, I know. I, know. <laughs> I don't buy skates. So I, I think I think it's uh, I, I think it's like one of those things though. But that, what the what the what the the NHL has done, and the Capitals have obviously taken and blown up is getting kids on the ice at a reasonable time, a reasonable cost, giving all this access. Yes. They're yes. I mean, if on your side, yeah, they the fans, they're buying jerseys, they're buying season tickets mom and dad now have to watch the game because the little kid loves it. So I like, oh, geez, now I got to watch hockey, but more importantly, it just for all the rest of us create the crazy hockey people. It normalizes the sport. It's like, you can actually talk to people like, well, you can do it this way. Or you could do it this way. Right. But be, for a long time, it was only one way. And that was get in a car and travel all over the place. Now you could be in one rink and, and play for, I mean, like you're down your area, right, Pete? I mean, you could play in one rink for probably two or three years straight, never leave the rink and still play. You know, absolutely. Free no, you're it's absolutely right. You should, yeah, you should say that, Mike, about a basketball court. And that's true in my neck of the woods, too. Along with that now are pickleball courts <laughs> yeah. everywhere. So right, we could everywhere. somehow figure out since, you know, in pickleball. Is pickle this, hockey. Let's pickle do it. Hockey. Pickle hockey. Let's do it. I think we should be inspired by that, that it can happen. Because look at the craze there. We could do the same thing with, with right. floor hockey. Yeah. It's a really, that's, that's a really good point. And that is a different version of a paddle sport, right? Exactly. So you think, ten, you think tennis, you think badminton, you think pickleball. Right. And then Padel, I know that's really popular yeah. in the New York area. So it's, it's, um, <laughs> they're just different forms of the game. And I think that Mike, you make a really good point. Oftentimes the NHL or the NHL clubs or just hockey in general, ice hockey in general, I won't, it's not necessarily um, any wrongdoing by the league or by the teams, but it's storytelling opportunities. And what is the best way to do that when you're in the playoffs, for example, and you have a superstar player, you tell the story of them coming up through the ranks as a child and becoming a superstar. And what do you do? You talk to their parents or you talk to them and go, Oh, mom used to wake up at 3am and drive me four hours to the rink. And those are great 
heartwarming stories. But what they don't realize at the same time is for somebody that's not familiar with the sport, all you're doing is saying, this sport isn't for you. Because right. you wake up at <laughs> yeah. 3 a.m. It reinforces really all of, yes. Exactly. Yeah, we, it's a so reinforcement of everything that they hated about hockey. Like, well, it's like the joke going around about you want to be a teacher. I go, hey, do you want to get do you want to try to force people to learn something they don't want to learn and sit there and, <laughs> and not get paid for it? You know, it's like, yeah, I want to that, sign up for that. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. really about uh, part of partly how, or partially how we, um, you know, market it and how it is is promoted and how um, it is perceived by. Uh, the community. And so that's why, you know, Lee, going to your, you wanted to talk about the hockey school program. Yeah. We yeah. really tried to focus. My background is prior to the caps coaching I, I've coached and I've taught uh, for a long time. I was a PE teacher for a few years yeah. as well. So the most, I, I, oh, wait, Pete, I just want to reiterate, he's not kidding to the audience. I looked at your resume. I, I'm only interrupting you to help even qualify what you're about to do. This man has coached <laughs> for several years in several sports so, so like, he's not just saying, oh, I've coached, like he, you've, you've been around the block in coaching. I just want to yeah. make sure our audience knows that. No, I appreciate that. No, yeah. it's, uh, it's just, it's just been a passion of mine for uh, as long as I can remember is it trying to provide kids an opportunity to play sports. I loved sports. I learned so many social skills. I learned so many different life skills through sports. I learned teamwork. I learned how to win. I learned how to lose. Most importantly, that's a big one that kids mm-hmm. need to learn. And, and um, you know, just, the competition and if you work hard at something you can get better and then you get rewarded for it like that's really fun same thing if you study really hard and you practice your math and you ace your math test it's the same type of reward system we're just doing it through physical activity and our uh, the philosophy was instead of trying to take this old school way of uh thinking in terms of let's bring the kids to the sport right we're always thinking about how do we bring kids to the rink to expose them to the sport let's flip it on its head let's bring the sport to the kids and right. every kid is in school. Some kids are homeschooled, but for the most part, majority of your kids are either in a public school or a private school. And most of those kids are learning uh, sports for the first time through PE class and that's where they're getting exposed to them. And we realized that the biggest hurdle for that was financial. For that, if you go off our current stats, it costs us about $350 per school to provide them a full set of street hockey equipment so that they can implement street hockey in their PE curriculum. But if I'm a PE teacher and I have a limited budget, that $350 can probably buy enough basketballs, footballs, soccer balls, and baseballs for the entire season or school year for the entire school. And if I'm not familiar with the sport and I don't really know how to teach it, why would I take that big part of my budget? and invest in something that I'm not sure the kids are going to um, enjoy or want to engage with. So we decided to let's take the sport to the kids and go to the schools. And so starting off when we in, in 07, when we first implemented the program, we were only going to about 16 to 20 schools and introducing it. And for the most part, it was more of a media event because we would have Mike Green and Alex Ovechkin. We would have Jay Beagle and Matthew Perot. We would have John Carlson and Carl Alzner. We'd have these players come with us. The coaches would come with us. I mean, I've probably gone into at least 50 schools with Dean Evison and taught PE classes when he was one of our assistant coaches here. You know, so it, it was great to have the support of the players and the support of the coaching staff. But then when we left, if the teacher doesn't have those skills to play hockey or to teach hockey, how are they going to utilize that equipment? So I would always follow up with them and say, you know, give us a shout, give us a call. We'll come back. We'll help you implement the program. And they always called. Right. And we started to learn that 
okay, it's not just the financial component of donating the equipment. It's also the education component of educating the teachers and teaching them how to play and then giving them the tools. And so what we found was once you gave all of that uh, to them, there was still the hurdle of, hey, this is really great. And my kids are really pumped to play hockey, but I need to write a lesson plan or I need to make sure that whatever I'm teaching meets the educational standards for my school or for my county. And so that's where we really started to work on building our own curriculum. So we wrote our own curriculum uh, in partnership with Shape America that kind of oversees the, the curriculums for uh, the governing body for curriculums for PE in the, in the U.S. And we, uh, we created this custom 80 plus page curriculum that Andrew Nash wrote. And it meets every single educational standard in every single school and county in our market. So now when we go and go, here's the equipment, here's the training, and the, and and uh, and we're going to teach you how to play and teach the sport for the teachers. And also, here's the curriculum that's already approved by your county. You've just removed all excuses and barriers. And now the teacher's just pumped to be able to implement a new sport into their school. You know, I'll tell you this too. My son uh, in this area is, uh, he's playing floor hockey. He plays ice hockey, he plays <clears throat> multiple positions, but he was so excited about floor hockey at the school and and they've invited us to come watch. And it's funny because I don't know more than two of the kids in this floor hockey program because none of them play ice hockey. And I think that that's amazing. The other cool thing about it, Pete, it, it, with my son, um, and I'm, I'm there's kind of a little bit of a brag, uh, but, you know, I'm watching him help the other kids which is like a total win for me as a dad at watching him. He, he is sharing the game. He's only been playing it a few years. Um, I do want to mention this again with the, with the uh, hockey school program that you're talking about across the DMV. Uh, it was announced in January. Tell me if I'm wrong, but you just surpassed 1 million students involved with that program. We did. We did. So um, as Mike was mentioning earlier with the industry growth fund uh, in 2014, we started receiving grants and funding through the league and the PA uh, to be able to invest in our hockey school program, we completely flipped it on its head. Yeah. Uh, prior to that, we would have schools reach out to us and say, "We would like you to come and do the assembly and 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 introduce hockey to our uh, to our school." Once we had the funding, we were able to go to the county level and say, "We would like to implement this across the board in every elementary and middle school in your county." We have the funding to be able to purchase all of the equipment. We have the staff to be able to train your teachers and we have the curriculum that's already approved by shape and it really um, changed the buy-in. So all these counties and all these school systems are like hundred percent. We are in, tell us what we can do. And it just kind of took off from there. So for example, uh, the first uh, partnership that we made was with the city of DC and instantly 111 public schools in the city of DC. That's every single public elementary, middle and high school in the city of DC had our street hockey equipment had wow. a curriculum and we were reaching over 48,000 students. Wow. In terms of introducing them to the sport of hockey. And that has just since grown. And yeah, with our partnership with Prince George's County that we announced on January 4th, we are officially in over 1600 schools and engaging with over a million students on an annual basis. That's not collectively right. every school year. We have a million students wow. picking up. Washington Capitals branded street hockey stick. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's amazing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate and you saying on that. The blacktop, yeah. Yeah, that, that is an amazing stat. And it, it just goes to show that, you know, people in your position, again, and your team, the, you know, the, what you do for the game. I, I, I think sometimes, especially in youth hockey, we don't celebrate that enough. You know, you had spoken earlier about the long-term game plan 
when we were talking about fans, right? And this is a 10-year investment in, in, or more. Um, and it's, it's or the, I should say, the ROI comes in 10 years, right? And I think coaching, at least for me, and, and Mike, you can speak to it yourself, and Christy, you as a parent, when my mind was able to start thinking that way, because, you know, as a younger coach, I was like, right now, got to win, got to do, you know, and then you got older and it's, I, I get older and it, it's much more like, wow, I really want this kid to love the game when he's 18. And, and whether he plays beyond 18, he can continue to love the game. And maybe that the work ethic and the life lessons and everything he's or she has learned over this time period will spawn them to do something that they love to the best of their ability. You, you know, Pete, you brought it up earlier. I, I want to commend you for this too. We talk a lot about, you know, making it to the league. We always get people asking that. You did that. It might not have been as a player for the Capitals, but here, here's a guy for our listening audience, loves the game, grows up. You are now really supporting your community, right? I mean, we're talking about the hockey. This goes well beyond hockey, what you're doing for these kids. We're not going to get into the stats of kids who do after-school programs and how that that just helps the community and is a large, helps these kids. But here's someone you had 17 years with the organization. You are living that dream. You're working for your childhood team. You're making a massive impact. You've had now a longer career than almost all NHL players. <laughs> you know, I, I just think we got to commend that and also let the audience understand that there are so many pathways into this game beyond the plane. Right. And and I am I am sure, and I would love for you to talk about this, that and you spoke about this with your coaching, but everything you learned, perseverance, winning, losing, dealing with good teammates, dealing with not good teammates, that all plays into your role now, right? Like that that's what made you the person you are today. A hundred percent. It it really is um uh, a big component of it in terms of introducing the sport to these students, but also then introducing them to the opportunities in that sport. It is not, we're going to go in and we're going to give a fifth grader a stick and they're going to pick it up. They're going to fall in love with it. And they're the next number one draft pick. That's not like we talked about, not necessarily the ultimate goal. If we start getting draft NHL draft picks from our market, we're ecstatic. That's phenomenal, but that's not our focus. And that's not the ultimate goal. But that kid that picks up a stick in fifth grade now might be like, well, I really like video editing. Mm -hmm. well, I could work for a professional sports team and do video editing. I love all the content. I love watching all the behind the scenes of LeBron and Steph Curry or, or Patrick Mahomes in the NFL. I could do that. I could be on the team plane and, and flying around with a professional team doing video editing or doing stats or doing PR. Uh, I could be in ticket sales. I could be in sponsorship. I could be in operations and be in charge of turning a nice rank into a basketball court and a basketball court and into a nice rank. So getting the arena ready. So there's so many job opportunities and I don't think many people are aware of them. Um, and, and you mentioned kind of growing up here. I, I oftentimes we would get asked when we were kids, well, what do you guys want to be when you grow up? And almost all of my teammates said they wanted to be an NHL player. And I used to say, I want to work for the Capitals. There you go. And people would almost <laughs> find that more unbelievable. They're like, you don't yeah. work. <laughs> teams. That's not how yeah. that's not there's not those opportunities, but I was exposed to it at a younger yeah. age and knew that that could be a possibility. And that was my goal that I, I set out to to accomplish because I wanted to be able to share the sport with everybody. I, I, I can say with confidence that anyone listening to this whose kids want to work in the game or, or you think they might one day, if they have enough passion, they have the right work set and the right work ethic, it is insanely possible. It's hard to get in. You got to make, you got to pay your dues like anybody else in the sense of like, you might have to do a job a little bit you don't want to do. That's part of the journey, right? We get that on the ice all the time. Mike and I talk about roles all the time on the ice. 
right? But but it is very possible if you have the determination and the drive to get into an organization uh, in hockey. Um, I, I I believe that. I, I think it's hilarious that you said people said, well, no, I mean, it's the, who's, you can't work for the Caps. You know, and it's like, yeah, wait, wait, wait. We're we're all trying to make the NHL here, but you said that, and that was the funny one. But uh, no, thank you for sharing that, Pete. Because I, again, I I don't think we talk about that enough. There's just the love of the game, as I said, you can't create it, but you can cultivate it, and your ability to cultivate that love into something can really impact someone's life life so far beyond playing. Right. Yeah. Again, you can't play forever either. You know, we, we anybody over 40 knows what I'm talking about. Right. You just can't do it. So, well, so I, I think it, it's great. It's interesting that you you're also talking about just the exposure of the game and the growth of the game. Right. I know that uh, Christy and Mike both touched on this earlier. And that is really we've noticed that we, we we're kind of getting capped here in terms of growing the game on the ice. And so if you take no, that no one pun million, intended, I have to say it. Sorry. Yeah. It, just, it, it was right I there. It's totally me. on purpose, right? Let's take those million students, right? Less than 3% of those kids decide to play ice hockey. And we've more than doubled the current USA hockey registrations in all of Maryland, DC, and Virginia combined. Wow. And that's a massive. That, that's a massive amount of increase in terms of the participation on the ice, and you're going to need more ice. So where are those kids going to play? And the, you mentioned the after-school programs. We do uh, try hockey for free programs, right? If a kid comes and signs up for a try hockey for free program for street hockey, we can get them to the rink, have an hour clinic, and then leave with a Capitals-branded street hockey stick and a ball and a puck to take home with them. And it costs our organization less than $20 to get that kid involved in the sport. Wow. And so the cost for participation is really not that high when you look at the off-ice. If you look at the cost per student with our, our uh, hockey school program, it's 50 cents. Right? It's just under 50 cents. It's technically 49 cents per student is what it costs the capitals organization to give these students access to the sport of hockey and PE class. And so when we hear people say, Hockey's not accessible. Hockey's too expensive. Um, hockey's not diverse or it's not inclusive. There are some truths to that, but mostly they're, uh, it, it's re relating to ice hockey. And so when you talk about the off-ice game, out of those million students, about 48% of them, according to the, the demographics of the school system, 48% of them identify as female and 67% of those students are diverse. So they identify as a race or ethnicity other than white. And so that is a massive increase in participation and diversity of the game. And all of those students are all over the spectrum when it comes to economic diversity and uh, let alone maybe their ethnic background or their ethnic, ethnic diversity as well. So it really is exposing the game and, and providing an opportunity for it to, it to grow and, and letting these kids know that it is an option for me. I just have to choose which form of the game I might want to play. Right. What are you hearing from the families who just suddenly discover this option and now they're hooked? Uh, most of them, uh, first of all, they say they love it, right? And they they can't wait to participate again. But a lot of the time it's, uh, I didn't even know this was an option. I didn't even know that I could play street hockey. I didn't even know that that was a thing. Um, a, a quick story about, you know, for the, the rinks that we were building, the street hockey rinks, when we when we knew we were going to be getting this funding, we had to start in, um, 
researching where all of these outdoor rinks that already exist in our market, where they are and what shape they're in and what investment might be needed to improve them. And at the time I had an intern uh, that grew up outside of Baltimore, loves hockey, loves the caps um, and played street hockey with his brothers and his friends all the time. One of these rinks that was already existing was less than a mile from his house and he had no idea that it was there. This is a kid that played street hockey all the time and didn't even know that there was an outdoor ball hockey rink near his house until he was in college and interning with the Capitals and doing this research project. So it is also about the awareness of where the facilities are and the different forms of the game that you can play. And that, I think that's the biggest component of it. So Pete, final, final question for me, because we're kind of getting close to time now. Um, you know, you're in a position here. I'm going to put you on a little bit of a pedestal and put you on the spot a little bit. But as someone who's been involved with an organization for 17 years, you're overseeing uh, literally the, the the cultivating of love of hockey for millions of kids. If I put you in front of every hockey director in the country right now, <laughs> every rink, they're all looking at you. What is your advice to them? Because hockey director is a is a unforgiving position. All the problems come back to them but they have a massive responsibility to their organizations and their clubs to really make this experience worth, worth being there. But they also have to make you want to stay with those teams, right? It's a major challenge because we talk about on the show all the time, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? For, for these, for these kids, for these families, if you could speak to them and share some advice to them, what would you tell every hockey director in the country? I would tell them that you, you have to make it fun. It, if it's not fun, kids aren't going to want to do it. And that's just the reality of it. My son is seven years old. And if something isn't fun, he's like, eh, I'm kind of over it. I, I want to do something different. It's not, well, why, why is it? Oh, maybe it's the coach is not that much fun or the sport or the way they're being uh, taught uh, the skills, you know? So first of all, it has to be fun. That's, that's the biggest component of it. Um, and then to your, to your earlier quote, um, one of my favorites is it, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. Right. And so water the grass in your rink or water the grass in your community and provide those fun opportunities for these kids to engage in the sport. And it's not just the kids. It's also the parents. We all know that hockey parents, I'm sure you talk about it on this podcast often. Every um, episode. Yeah, don't you? <laughs> how intense <laughs> hockey parents can get. Right. I had the, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to get humbled very early on with uh, playing youth hockey in this market and then going up in the summers with my dad, spending time in Canada with his family and going to camps and playing in leagues up there. And I very quickly learned I am nowhere close to the greatest hockey player of all time. I mean, the, I have kids at this camp in Canada telling me that the kid that's skating circles around me is the worst player on their team. Right. Obviously, you know, so it's it was really just about being around my teammates and having some fun. And that was something that my parents always um, were always pushed. And it was just about enjoying the game. And if it's not going to be fun and you're going to get super upset at it, or it's not going to be enjoyable, maybe it's not worth doing. So I think the biggest component for hockey directors is to make sure that it's fun, but you also have to make it inclusive and you have to make it a safe place for kids to want to play and for families to want to be a part of it. And, and that's a big component as well as uh, you, you often hear that, uh, this phrase of like 
hockey's not for everyone or hockey is not inclusive. It's not a safe space, but it can be, and it really does come from the top. And right. so I think that the hockey directors driving that forward and making sure that it is in a safe, inclusive space where everybody can have fun and everybody can participate, I think is really, um, you know, a, a big component of it. You know, it, it's it may seem like obvious advice to those of you listening, but it is always something that needs to be reminded on a day in and day out basis. And and again, Pete, that's not me saying that's not a great answer. It's a fantastic answer. It's just one we need to continue to say over and over again, because I, I think we can lose sight of that really easy, uh, especially when parents are saying, well, this team doesn't win or you're not going to nationals. And it's like, but that's it's not exactly the only reason we're here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Uh, fantastic stuff. Uh, Christy, Mike, any other questions before I close yeah, this no, out? I just, uh, it, yeah. What you're doing is great. And, and, and what you just said, Lee, is so important. It's not all about going to nationals because now that my kids are in their 20s, I can see the hockey skills translating into their everyday lives so easily. My daughter, just a couple of weeks ago, her boss came up to her. She went in early. She worked through her lunch. She stayed late. And she did that all week long. At the end of the week, he said, did you play on a sports team? Because <laughs> you've got one heck of a work ethic. Said, yeah, I played hockey. He goes, ah, that explains it. Because he knew. And he, he happened to be connected to, you know, the local hockey teams. He knows the kind of investment that a hockey player has to put in and the sacrifice. And it really, and my son, same thing. Um, but it's amazing. You can see all that work, all that energy, all that time, all that money, all the fun that they had over the years is now translating into um, their young lives. And it's pretty exciting. It's germinated see. into the flower that they are today. <laughs> no, it's it a really, really good has. Yeah. So yeah, it is worth it. Moms and dads out there, it's worth it. Yeah. It's one of the first things that we look for, or me personally, that I look for when somebody is... Um, applying for one of our positions, whether it be part-time, full-time, or even just working with different people around the organization, you can immediately tell somebody that played a team sport Absolutely. in terms of the the willingness to work with everyone and the teamwork that they have and the way that they can um, maneuver around different personalities and handle different um, tasks that are sent their way. It's 100% noticeable, uh, someone yeah. that played team sports and someone that did not. And a funny end to that story. So, the boss made an announcement. Hey, uh, everybody, I'm going to let everybody have the afternoon off so we can all go out and party. If you have any work left, bring it to Sophia Burns. <laughs> <laughs> She'll stay here till it's done. I'm sure she loved that. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Mike, anything before we go? No, no, just uh, if you see guys like Peter and his staff, go hug them and say, you know, you, yeah. you forget you forget how much work these guys do. I mean, I've, I've yeah. been fortunate to be on the inside of a lot of these events and it's every morning and, you know, outdoor ball hockey events, uh, even in Maryland on a, on a Wednesday morning are probably not the great, you know, it's not it's not 80 degrees and sunny. Um, but again, it's just, you know, the amount of schools and the amount of programs that go into this and and what I love about, you know, Peter, what you do and, and and your staff, like when you watch the events, they're always high energy, professional events. Like you wouldn't know, you know, uh, you know, all the, all the participants like, oh my God, this is like unbelievable. They're doing this for us. Yeah. Well, we do this for, we're doing this for a million kids. So to make, to, to, to really go out and make those million kids feel, <laughs> yeah. feel special and feel like, you know, that, that impact was the same for the first kid as it was for the last kid in the last day of the season. 
um, you know, it's tough. It's hard work. And, and uh, I, I know from my side, it doesn't go unappreciated, but it's really great to see, you know, the NHL program step up, you know, use these, uh, the resources you have in a positive way. And I, hopefully it benefits all of us that love the sport of hockey because the, the more kids that are, you know, sitting around uh, stop and shop that, you know, look down the aisle and they're wearing hockey jackets and, and they're hockey fans and hockey players, um, you know, I don't know. Fi- I, I find it more interesting to talk to them. So <laughs> it's all good. I love it. Yeah. Right. I, well, I really AHL appreciate that. Teams, right. AHL teams, too, need to step up to It's not just NHL, but AHL teams can also do that in local communities as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the AHL, the ECHL, all the developmental leagues, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they, they, they have the staff and they're starting to invest in, in yeah. growing the game and providing that access. And, and Mike, you mentioned it, and I really appreciate those kind words, but there's youth hockey development staff at each one of these NHL clubs and they do amazing work and they have, um, you know, successful programs that are each, each club has a program at the very least. That's probably the standard in the league or the best in the league. Right. We look at our hockey school program as, as one of those. Um, and, you know, we we share all of our ideas with each other. We consider it a, an opportunity where rising tide raises all ships type situation. And so if Dallas or Nashville or Arizona um, is growing the game and creating more hockey fans, it's only going to benefit the Capitals in the long run right. as well. And so we, we really do work together to um, provide opportunities to be able to support each one of these clubs and make sure that the programming in their community is being supported as well. Fantastic. Pete, as I close this out, I'm just going to say on behalf of our group, but also our audience, and you know, we don't always get the opportunity to do this, but just want to thank you, your team. And like you said, you could probably put this out to the entire NHL. You're affecting millions of lives, right? Mm -hmm. And and that is a real calling uh, to be able to affect millions of lives, not just to love the game of hockey, but to give them the life skills to be better citizens and more productive citizens, which is something we probably desperately need right now. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and you are a community leader. Might not be your title, and but it's true. And everybody who works with you and in your team is doing that. So I just want to thank you for that as a parent and as a citizen and as a hockey fan. I think it, all three of those, those, those uh, levels, it works. Well, I really appreciate that. And uh, thank you for the kind words. Uh, it was a pleasure to be on uh, today and I really enjoyed the conversation. So uh, thank you very much for the, for the opportunity. No, thank you. And, and for everyone listening, remember Pete Robinson works for the Capitals. The Capitals are a team and our sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, that you can play as if you dive in there. I'll remind everybody you get $50 off an annual subscription. Head over to hockey.sensearena.com right now. Use our code hockey never stops to use that. Uh, another great way, joking aside, Pete, to, to experience the game in a, in a, in a new reality, right? Uh, but uh, for Pete Robinson, Christy Casciano-Burns, and Mike Benelli, I'm Lee Elias. This has been another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. We'll see you on the next one, everybody. Skate on and have a great time out there. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening, whether it's a podcast network, a social media network, or our website, ourkidsplayhockey.com. Also, make sure to check out our children's book, When Hockey Stops, at whenhockeystops.com. It's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life. We're very proud of it. But thanks so much for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode.